Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right. What is going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell here at the uh, World Congress Center in Atlanta, Georgia. Our boy Raja is here yeah. in person. Yeah. What's going on, man? How was the travel? Was it uh, all right? Smooth? Travel was good. Caught yep. a little movie on the flight. It's, it's nice. always a lot easier to travel alone. Like, yeah. you know, when I got the four kids and, and my wife, like, it's, it's a, but travel alone is cool. I'm oh, fine it's with fun. That. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you get to, you don't have to worry about, like, hey, the kid's going through security and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, did we leave something? Did she, did she forget the stroller? Like, we were, I was chilling. Yeah, 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 that's perfect. Yeah, it's much, it's much less stressful Correct. than traveling with a family is. Correct. But it's good to have you here, man. It's, it's, we're going to have a ton of fun this week. We got some monster guests throughout the week. Uh, today's show, big lineup. We're going to break down last night's media night. We got some NBA news as Rich Paul is just, you know, orchestrating everything like the puppet, the puppet master behind master, the scenes, yeah, but like the NBA doesn't Love it. Yeah. We're going to break that down. But your first impression kind of of this Radio Row, because I think when yeah. people hear Radio Row, I think it sounds smaller than it actually is. No, this is fantastic. I was just, <laughs> no, I was just kind of looking at the sets and how all the sets are built out and, you know, all the personalities that are, that are around. It's pretty cool. And from what I understand, like this is light, right? Like as the week yeah. progresses, we're going to get some, some real heavy foot traffic through here. So I'm kind of excited to see what it's about. I think that's the coolest thing is the energy that amps up throughout the week. Yeah. You know, like we, we just talked to uh, Brady Quinn and I just talked to Deshaun Watson and it's kind of low key. Like he actually only has a few people with him, but as the week goes on, some of these entourages that'll yeah. come through. And then what I actually, cause I don't like, Sean Watts is cool, but I've talked to him before. Right. Like I want to see like the, the Hollywood superstars, like the movie stars. Well, They'll come in here later. Some supermodels, movie stars. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Oh, you just, my ears <laughs> <break that>. um, <laughs> But no, it was funny cause it's funny you say that. Like, you know, Deshaun Watson, as great as he is, like I see him and I'm like, okay, whatever. But I saw Dan Reeves. Like, oh, and I'm like, oh my God, that's Dan Reeves over here. You know, like your inner like young fanboy comes out, right? right? Cause I remember watching him as a, as yeah, a that was, gym, I, so. I, that's my old coach. I remember him. You're like just cussing me out. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, uh-oh, I had to keep my head on a swivel right. in case he comes over here and starts yelling at me for an interception I threw 15 years ago. So last night was media night, and I think it's genius what the NFL has done because they try to own everything, right? right. I mean, they're into money-making. They want to be the best sport in the NFL, the most popular sport, and it used to be media day, yeah. and it used to be during the daytime, but they're like, hey... You know, a lot of people watch that. What if we put it in prime time? And so that's what they've done. They move it tonight, which I'm sure, you know, Bill Belichick doesn't like his team being out until 9 or 10 at night answering questions to the media. But it's also one of those things, if you're looking for hardcore, like, hey, I want to find out from Brady what he's picking apart in this Rams defense, you're not going to get any of that. Now, if you want to know, like, what it's like being a dad for Brady or what's yeah. your favorite, what, what do you order at Chipotle, like just random stuff. I actually kind of think it's entertaining because you see different sides of guys. You see a little bit more of their personalities as opposed to the cliches that you're going to get most of the time yeah. they talk to the media. I actually agree. I agree with you. I think that's what the cool part of that is, right? Is you get a little bit of behind behind the scenes look at some of these guys and who they are, you know, in their day to day, right? You're not going to get the breakdown to your point, but you get to see Gronk having a good time. He's always having a good time, but you know, Brady might loosen up a little bit, and and so I do applaud the NFL because I I tend to be like pro NBA as it pertains to. Uh, marketing your players and, and having like dominating a news cycle with different kind of things that aren't just the sport itself. Uh, the NFL got that one right. They absolutely did. And I give them a ton of credit for doing it, for getting a different side of the players and for letting it just be a circus. That kind of is what it is. Right. That being said, you played some NBA finals. Was, was there, is there anything that compares? Did they have this at NBA All-Star weekend? Is there anything yeah. that's similar to this yeah. type of setup? This is like an NBA All-Star weekend-ish setup, right? The NBA finals are, 
you know, just your basic media availability on steroids. You know, you'll have a few more platforms. Like, I'm not a platform guy after every game. Right. But for the finals, you might have me on the platform uh, uh, or the podium. And then, you know, you just have more media outlets there to cover it. But it's not set up like this where everyone's got a station and so on and so forth. This is more like NBA All-Star Weekend, which, you know, I, I think where we're going with this eventually, and I'm going to just, like, touch on it now, it, it's a taxing weekend. Like, yeah. the finals aren't. The media availability is an extra 45 minutes. But when you got this set up, you got to go around from station to station, that becomes an obligation that you're not used to dealing with on a day-to-day basis and then still having to perform. That's the one area when we talk about experience in this game, that's where I think the Patriots do have a significant edge. Because yep. I think experience in the game is a little bit overrated. Like, yeah, there'll be some nerves at the, at the start of the kickoff for guys like Jared Goff who've never been in this big of a moment. But I think pacing yourself, knowing how to control your energy, we were just joking about it before the show. Like doing interviews and talking consistently for an hour, it's exhausting. Like you get tired. And so it's time management. It's knowing when to get your rest, when you can go out with your buddies, because that's the other unique thing about a Super Bowl. Normally, big game, you know, you still have your schedule. You go right. to practice. You might go out with your position group on a Friday night, maybe if you kind of have a tight knit group on your team. But a lot of times you're still in bed pretty early and it's just a routine. They'll have every which way tugging on them to go out to dinner. They'll have family members that are here that come to this game. I think the biggest like difference in experience is guys that can say no and say, you know what, I've got to focus on the game. And that always seems to be what the Patriots thrive on is that ability to eliminate distractions. Yeah, you're talking about like professionalism, right? And you know, you start dealing with time management with younger kids and, and teaching them, you know, how to get what they have to get done and still have time to do what you want to do. And that's essentially what this kind of boils down to. Uh, it's being a good pro and being able to manage your time. You know, you don't typically know when you're in the middle of something that it's distracting you. Yeah. Like you're just kind of rolling with the punches and then you're sitting around at like 11 at night, right? And you were supposed to go over this playbook that you had to memorize it and where you would have usually had like two hours to memorize it. Now you're dealing with like 30 minutes because you're tired and you don't have the energy to do it. You've been talking all day. And that's where it starts to creep in, you know, and affect you as a professional. If you can't manage that time, and to your point, kind of compartmentalize, understand what you're here to do. Um, and, yeah, you want to enjoy it. You want to soak it all in. But ultimately, you're here to win a Super Bowl, right? And so you got to put that in perspective and really treat it accordingly. It also can be a time where you can make a name for yourself. Yeah. Like there was a guy like Ray Buchanan. I'll never forget him and Shannon Sharp went back and forth. And uh, I think it was Ray who wore the dog collar on him because there was some comment that Shannon Sharp made about him. And, like, it was just – it was a back and forth. And I think Nikel Roby Coleman, who was probably the most unknown player a couple weeks ago, all of a sudden he's, like, in media spotlight because of the play that took place where it was pass interference. Then he comes in, he gets asked about it throughout. So all of a sudden he has burst on the scene as this media figure. And he doesn't hold back on Tom Brady uh, a couple days ago. He said that he said Tom Brady's getting old. He's getting beatable. His quote was, "Put the dagger in them, pull it out, and let them leak slow." Uh, he also <laughs> said his age has taken its toll. Right. For him being able to still do it is a great compliment. But I think he's definitely not the same quarterback he once was. Movement, speed, velocity, arm strength—he can still sling it, but. He's not slinging it as much. Whatever he was doing because of his age and all that, he's not doing as much of that anymore. It goes on. Like, basically, it, was, it wasn't it was that bad of a diss towards Tom Brady. But why give him anything? Because Brady is one of those guys that looks for quotes like this to run with it. And the Cal Roby Coleman tried to walk it back last night at media day when he was asked about it. Keep Tlaib tried to have his back. But it's too late. That cat's already out of the bag. And I think Brady... He was asked about it, said, no, I don't, there's nothing to be added to that. But I guarantee you, when it's game day, he is going to be looking for Roby Coleman to send a message to him. And that's something you don't want to do. Like, why wake up 
a superstar like Tom Brady, when maybe your best opportunity is just to fly under the radar, just praise him, say all good things about him. But he chose to go there, and now it's now he's made his bed. And Listen, we'll have to see how he performs. He's he's got his two minutes here, man. <laughs> yeah, like he's exactly. trying to maximize it. I don't begr- I don't begrudge him that. Like, look, the, the spotlight is on you. Uh, it's this. Let me. I've got two different. Like, I'm torn on this, right? right. Because one, to beat someone, although you do have to respect them, you can't fear them. And 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 you know, we talked we talk about Tiger, we talk about Tom Brady. This era of invincibility, like this era of like just being like a deity. They're not human. If you're approaching Tom like that, it's hard to beat him. You know, so while he, when he humanizes him and says like Father Time is taking its toll, and so I'm okay with some of that. When you're talking about sticking the dagger in and letting it bleed out slow, now you've crossed the line. So, like I, I am in agreement that yes, Father Time has taken a toll. It takes a toll on everyone. His arm strength clearly is not what it used to be. It's still fantastic. Like I, I, I think those are factual statements. Uh, I think he crossed the line with some of it, and I tend to agree with you. What Tom won't say it, and he shouldn't say it because he's too good. I'm above the fray. But when you're looking for any little advantage in a game like that, there you have one. You have one bulletin board quote that, that that could potentially be motivating. Now, I don't think Tom Brady and the Patriots need it. To your point, they've been here. They've done that. They know that you know this is Super Bowl. They will be fired up and ready to play just because of what it represents in terms of Super Bowl rings. Uh, but you don't want to give him any opportunity to have bulletin board material. So he walked it back at the media night last night. He said that was out of context. Yeah, right. I think that's what everybody <laughs> says. Like if you trash somebody, you yeah. just say it was taken out of context when actually you can read the quotes and it's exactly what he said. He walked it back, said Tom is a great quarterback. He's the GOAT. He's a legend. I'm not taking nothing from his game. I was asked a question about the difference between the past and now. I said his age. It was wasn't about he's old. I'm not saying taking anything away from him. It was just his age. Do you think anybody from the Rams, because I wouldn't be surprised if Sean McVay or Wade Phillips or somebody from the PR department, like the, 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 the PR guy, comes up and says, hey, you might want to be careful. You don't want to give them any fuel and kind of prepped him for the type of questions he was going to face last night. Yeah, I think someone probably had a discussion with him. But there are two types of teams. There are some teams that don't. There are some teams that give you free reign to kind of go out there and be loose and say what you want to say. There are other teams that are going to keep it buttoned up and don't give them any bulletin board material. So I, I don't know what type of team the Rams are. Once they realized it was a bit of a firestorm and it, and it, and it caught headlines and people were running with it, someone from that PR <laughs> yes. department had some, you know, some coaching, some, some coaching going on. That's all and, it is. And this is what it boils down to, like, you know, athletes like sometimes we're not the most polished in front of a microphone. Like we're giving you real thoughts, and and we're not dodging the question the way we always should be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I think. I don't know. I go back and forth on this. Like, is the is the older I get and is more removed from the game I get, I'm like, does it really matter? Like, if a guy talks trash, does it really matter? Yes. So what if Tom Brady's motivated a little bit more? Like, does it really yeah, matter I mean, in the bigger scheme of things? I don't know. I go back and forth with this because if I was a coach, I wouldn't want guys doing it. Like, you give them bulletin board material. But do you honestly think I in don't. the fourth quarter, I don't. if Brady's out I there in not. the huddle, he's saying, I can't believe what that Nikel Robicoba said about me. Let's go prove him wrong right now. I don't think that's when it comes into play. Maybe in prep and you get guys fired up. But why in other sports is it so applauded, even encouraging, like boxing or UFC or like any of these yeah. other sports? Even the NBA guys call them out. Like guys trash each other. You just have to go out there and play. And they're going to talk trash all throughout the game on the field. Sure. So why not carry it over? Like, I, I honestly don't know if it matters that much. And that is a total change for me like in the last five or six years where I'm like, let them talk. It is kind of entertaining. It gives us stuff to talk about. I think it matters because... You know, you could get someone fired up. You don't know, like, how someone is preparing for a game. 
just generally. Like, let's say no one's talking any trash, right? But if you're going to call that guy out repeatedly, if for some reason, I don't know, not, I'm not saying Brady, but let's say someone else, they weren't preparing for the game and you called him out a few times, you might now get a different animal. You might get somebody who's a little more on point when game time comes around. But no, this isn't going to be something in the back of Tom Brady's mind in the fourth quarter. Like to use a Kobeism when he was dealing with me, he's got bigger fish to fry. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. He's not worried about that. But, you know, I'm with a lot of these old school coaches and it's really pointless. Like, don't do it. Don't give them any extra fuel for the, you know, for their, for their fire. You mentioned old school coaches. So we have an old school coach in Bill Belichick. We have the 33-year-old Sean McVay. And it was somebody found out. I don't know if it was McVay. Uh, I think he did a story with Peter King where he was talking with him. And he said that Bill Belichick actually texted him throughout the season. Like after a game. I think they beat Minnesota. My boy Kirk Cousins beat yeah. him. But he was like, hey, That's that odd. was a great job. Like encouraging, texting <laughs> him back and forth. <laughs> Why you got to rub it in right there? But he said they texted him throughout the year. Like yeah. potential encouragement. To me, it's not surprising at all. I think some people are like, oh, Bill Belichick is this ice character, like just a wall that you don't get any of emotion out of. I think it speaks more to the coaching fraternity sure. and how tight a lot of these guys are in the offseason. And they have relationships. And it's one of the reasons why you see that carousel of coaches get hired so fast because they do have relationships off the field. And it really wasn't surprising to me at all. Danny, game recognizes game. Yeah. Right? And, you know, while Bill Belichick – so, okay – Sean McVay, when all of these disciples of Sean McVay were being hired and people were wondering, is Sean McVay that good? Like, he didn't have the, the Super Bowl appearance yet and he didn't have the, you know, uh, what is it, the NFC championship yet. All you really had to do was look and see that Bill Belichick had taken it upon himself to text the dude. Like, that tells you that he is worth his salt, right? Yeah. Because the GOAT, right? Is, is, is choosing to kind of take him under his wing to some degree. And that's what you're doing when you're texting a guy like that and you're, like, He's recognizing a peer in terms of his coaching ability uh, or someone that he thinks one day could be a peer. And that's pretty special. And, and for a young guy like Sean McVay, a relationship like that with Bill Belichick, um, it, it's, it's got to be really, really special. It's got to be something to where he's hoping to cultivate it to a point where they can sit around and he can pick his brain. And, and Because who better to learn from if you aspire to be one of the greatest coaches of all time than Bill Belichick? Or do you think it's Bill Belichick, the evil genius, being like, let me let me, let me, me suck up to him you and tell think, him how great he so is. And gonna, then all you play the long game with that? <laughs> yeah, that could be it too. Like, hey, I want to get close to him and then get all his Listen. trade secrets and then go for the night. Like, go for could, his could be. in the back there could at the be. end. No, I think it's probably more to uh, Belichick just being a professional. You don't have. Like, do you this- think? All right, sorry. But do you think Bill <laughs> Belichick, to my point about game recognizing game? Yeah. You think he's on the phone with like the dude who got fired from the Giants last year? Oh, probably. No, no you think Bill Belichick no, was calling him after every do. game? Yeah. No, you think he was, no. no. Or, or like, that's a good like even Adam Gase or somebody like that. Right. Do you think he's taking it upon himself after their wins or losses that's to text question. him? And, and I wonder like, if he did because I, I I wouldn't be surprised. Like I wonder if there's any because a lot of times guys share agents. Yeah. You know, or they just hit it off. Like they're similar personalities. Sure. And I think it might be more the case of game recognizes game. And there are definitely like look. I said I said it's a fraternity. What do you have? At college campus, you have different fraternities. I guarantee you there are some circles where maybe it's Belichick, McVeigh, Kyle Shanahan. Like, they all kind of sure. coach together, and they have relationships. So there's this tight-knit circle. Then you might have Andy Reid and Doug Peterson and kind of that coaching tree. They kind of stick together. Yeah. So there probably is something to be said about the different circles. But, I mean, obviously Bill Belichick is out there showing him a tremendous amount of respect, which yeah. he's deserved. At it's his age, cool. like, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, McVeigh also said that several other coaches in the NFC – reached out to him to ask him about 
what he's doing X's and O's wise on offense. Right? Why, why would you no. that nobody in his own division did, <laughs> but all the other teams in the NFC were. But no. I, but it is kind of one of those ones where a lot of these coaches do share information. They're like, yeah, we're trying to accomplish this. This is why we ran it. I would probably be like you and not answer the phone to anybody. No. I don't know if I'd trust anybody. Listen, I can walk you through some things. <laughs> but that, if you can figure it out on tape, God bless you. If you want to copycat my system, good for you. I'm not giving another professional coach the keys to the kingdom in terms of what I do. <laughs> oh, right. I, I'll help colleges, high schools, like whatever. Right. But I am not letting one of my competitors uh, into like my proprietary blend. Sorry. What'll be really interesting is if the Rams beat him, like does he still get a text? <laughs> <laughs> hey, great job. I don't think that text he's ever going to get. Right. It'll probably be a couple weeks later. They'll be on vacation or something. Yeah. And they'll meet up or they'll cross at some coaching convention. And then they'll be like, hey, congratulations. I don't know if he's going to get a congratulatory right. text after that one. <laughs> Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, what's going on? Welcome back uh, to Canal and Bell. Talking about Anthony Davis, the trade news that broke yesterday, took the NBA world by storm. Once again, the most entertaining thing about the NBA is what happens off, like the drama yeah, off sure. the court, which is great because it gives us a lot to talk about. But you have one of the best players in the league, one of the most dominant bigs out there, versatile, saying he wants he wants to change the scenery. He's been there seven years in New Orleans. Like They've had every opportunity to keep him at home and put the pieces in uh, place around him. Boogie obviously didn't work out because it was a clone of himself, as you mentioned a bunch. You broke this down a ton yesterday. Once it's been like 24 hours removed, have you had any change of thought about like what the situation means to the NBA? Uh, yeah, look, you, you don't... First of all, if for anyone who didn't think it was coming, right. like shame on you, right? Like I know there were people in New Orleans probably, you know, just holding on to the the the, the prayer that he might stay. But this was always an, an inevitability. And then once he signed with Rich Paul, you had to know it was coming, right? Like that should have sealed uh, the Anthony Davis chapter there in New Orleans. Well, what it means to the NBA, I mean, this is this is one of those pieces that could potentially move that could reshape, you know, a conference, right? You're talking about obviously if he lands somewhere in the Eastern Conference. It's relatively wide open division, so you know if, if you can if you can get him, you, you position yourself to maybe have a chance at, at an Eastern Conference championship. And then the West, you've got this super team in Golden State, and there are two other teams, maybe three. I don't know who has the assets that if they got him, they could now be considered maybe the favorite to knock off Golden State. So it could reshape the NBA just a little bit. Uh, but uh, but my main thought is for any of those people who are surprised by this. Uh, if it wasn't purely about the timing of it, if you were genuinely surprised that he was asking for a trade, shame on you. So the Pelicans put out a statement, and it said, This past weekend, Anthony Davis reps informed us that Anthony does not wish to sign a contract extension with our team and subsequently has requested a trade. They go on to say, We're disappointed in the decision. Our organization's top priority is to bring an NBA championship to our city. But the last line of the statement is very interesting. Because it says, we have also requested the league to strictly enforce the tampering rules associated with this transaction. You mentioned the Rich Paul represents him. 
also represents LeBron James, who, you know, and they just played. They just had dinner, like, in Malibu together. Right. Of course there's tampering. Like, this happens. I, the NBA, I think, is almost better off just saying, we know it happens. Because I don't think there's any way to police it or any fine that you levy. They're still going to talk. They're just going to be quieter about it. Like, Correct. I think it's kind of dumb. Correct. And I don't believe, first of all, like, Rich Paul and LeBron's camp, in terms of integrity, they, they have integrity. I'm not questioning that. This is something that's like widely practiced in, yes. in, in the NBA. And to your point, there's no real way to police it. Like when I was a free agent and I was still playing in Utah at the time, like I was having conversations with friends of mine on, uh, friends of mine on other teams uh, about whether or not I wanted to play for them. And this wasn't just purely because that friend wanted to know. Someone had asked them within that organization to reach out and gauge my interest in whether or not I wanted to play for that team. Like, yeah, that's tampering, but it's always going to take place. So, Look, I, 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 what are you going to do the, if you're the NBA? And I, I'm kind of with you in that. Just let it go. Like, the more you draw attention to it as a league, the more your teams draw attention to it because you're bitter. This kind of falls under the whole thing like with the Saints. Right. And it sucks that it's New Orleans again. <laughs> right? But right. I feel you. Your feelings are hurt. You're upset. You're going to lose something that you feel like you should have. You're going to get over it because there's nothing the NBA can do about this the same way there's nothing that the NFL is going to do about the, the blown call. Guys have relationships more now than ever because they start the relationship in high school or yeah, even younger. younger. Like, these kids are 11, 12 years yeah, old they're playing, playing together, together. They're playing in leagues. They get to the league. Sometimes they share agents. Sometimes they don't. But they're at all NBA All-Star Weekend together. Sometimes they work out in the same cities together. They sure. share trainers. So they're going to have relationships. And it's very easy to, for LeBron just to text Anthony Davis and say, hey, man, love to have you on my team. Like, is that tampering Probably officially, but it's going to happen. And I think it's it's sort of like recruiting college football. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that nobody knows about, and it's impossible to police. You only kind of throw gasoline on that fire by trying. It, it just makes a mockery of it when you try to find people for doing it because there's no way to shut it down. Right, and this happens in in a lot of other sports too. Like you, people have this, but here's the deal, and this is what rubs fans kind of the wrong way: <laughs> yeah. is that NBA players, because of the strength of the union and the CBA, have a whole lot of power in terms of where they go, where they wind up playing, uh, the free agency rules. And, and I like, as a player, I loved it. I reaped the benefits of it to some degree. Uh, as a fan, I can understand why you would be frustrated by it, but it is what it is, right? And so, to your point, there's no police in it. It's not going away. Um, you know, deal with it. And, and I just want to be clear about this. Anthony Davis has given them seven years. Yeah. This isn't they like had every opportunity to, to woo him, to make him feel comfortable, to bring this championship that they say they want to bring yeah. to the team. They had seven years to do. I'm Look, with you. That's more than half a career so, like for, for, for real good NBA players and stars in the NBA. He's given you the first half of his career. You weren't able to get anything done. Whether you know that's all the blame with everybody else in the organization or whether some of that falls on AD's shoulders. I've been frank about saying that if AD is as good as everyone says he is, that he should be advancing that team further than it's gone. So some of it falls on him, but the bottom line is you haven't gotten it done, and now it's time for him to move on. To your point about players you know, having this power, Kevin Durant was asked about it. He said, we all, as players, we want guys to do exactly what they want to do in this league. We have a short amount of time, so why not do what you want to do? For me as an ex NFL guy, I'm like, man, that that must be nice, like you know, because it was where you had to go, and if they if a team you felt like they owned you, and yeah. they did, and they were going to cut you the minute you weren't a value to them, and it's much more of like just this market that's cutthroat. It's really you know, it kind of can be nasty as a player. You feel uh, disgruntled because you have no say, you have no power. You're just a commodity. But let me ask you this: How many players do you think have that sort of power? 
Because, I mean, there only is a few that no. can really go in and say, yeah, I don't want to play here anymore. I want to demand a trade. A lot of guys, they would just bury him, and they wouldn't have that yeah. opportunity. Well, but a player like Anthony Davis has that type of power. To your point, like, I could not go in there and tell <laughs> right. anyone. Like, they're looking at me like, oh, whatever, brother. Like, like <laughs> right. do whatever you want to do. Like, we're, you're, you're going to be what you're going to be. Uh, so, no, it's not everybody, but it's your it's your – it's your major, you know, like stars in, in markets that aren't necessarily major, uh, that desire like some of the limelight, like the Pelicans. I'm not throwing any shade at them, like, or Smoothie King Arena or, or, but when you go there as a player, like it doesn't scream like Hollywood. Like, do you know what I mean? Or yeah. New York or Chicago. It doesn't scream big market. It's kind of sleepy. You go in the other arena, it's not that nice. Like, you know, it's never on national TV. Like, you know what I mean? There's no yeah. vibe in there. Like, a guy like AD, who is one of the best players in the league, like, he wants that. And he wants an opportunity to win. And I don't, I, like, I, I think it's great. Which market do you think is better, Oklahoma City or New Orleans? Oklahoma City, without question. Really? Yes. Because I think, like, media landscape, media markets, New Orleans is a bigger, more populated city. But I also think like Oklahoma City has a rabid fan base and they've done more to try to put a championship around Russell Westbrook since Kevin Durant left than New Orleans has done for Uh They are run better, OKC. And the fan base is, again, I'm not throwing shade in New Orleans because their fan base is fine. But Oklahoma City's fan base is fantastic. Like that yeah. place is rocking. Even when they're losing, it's rocking. And it started when they brought them over from Seattle. Because Seattle was a really cool place to play. One of those places where it was a like, kind of sleepy town, but you knew when you got into that arena, man, it was going to be electric. And so you didn't know what to expect when you first got to OKC. And, man, there they were, like, just as strong as Seattle. So they've got a much better environment and setup uh, out there in OKC than they do in New Orleans. All right, so yesterday was funny because everybody has this thought, the trade machine that they put all the stuff in and everybody sure. thinks they're a GM and they can play that role and they pop it up there and say, this is what the Pelicans should do. This is what, you know, the teams that are in trade talks with them, Lakers, Celtics, some of the other ones, these are the pieces they should move, which I always think is interesting because I think people just throw it out there and they think it's easy. It's so complex when you're talking about a player of his magnitude. The Lakers are the leader in the clubhouse as far as the Vegas odds. They're plus 125 to land Anthony Davis. The Boston Celtics are second at plus 275. Let's talk about some of the pieces that they could throw at New Orleans to possibly make this trade take place. So let's start with the Lakers. They got Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and Zubats. Like, are you parting with all of them, two of them, a them and some draft picks? Like, what do you think it would take for this trade to get done? Um, if you're the Lakers, so if you're in New Orleans, obviously you're trying to flee some for everything you can yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, you're in like, the Give me everything, yep. right? That yep. um, works in the trade older, machine, right? Yeah. But if you're the Lakers, it really doesn't matter. Like I was on here yesterday, and like, and I was talking about the Lakers ideally don't want to give up Kyle Kuzma. I'm sure they would rather give up Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, some combination of draft picks, right? I actually think they want to keep Zubats, but ultimately, you're giving up whatever you have to give up to get the second star to pair with LeBron. And not just an average, you're talking about a star of stars to pair with LeBron because that's the second domino, the second shoe that, that hits, right? You still got max money. Once they gave up on, uh, what's the young kid from Kentucky? Um, he's now in New Orleans. But once they move that contract, they let, they let it be known. We're in the market for two stars uh, to go alongside LeBron. So now you got the second one. So it doesn't matter what you give up. You're, you're, you're all in right now with LeBron winning a championship in this small window of time. Julius Randle was a player. Julius Randle. Uh, what about the Celtics? So they got Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, and picks to offer two. Sure. But if you're Anthony Davis, are you, is Kyrie going to be there? Cause he said he's, he'll be there. He said he's going to resign. Yeah. But I think that's even an uncertain spot if you're, if you're Anthony Davis saying, well, I want to make sure I know I'm playing with Kyrie. Well, those are conversations that be, have to be had. And quite frankly, it's why Paul George didn't wind up in 
Cleveland. Cleveland had a package to send Paul Paul George to them uh, when he was a free agent in Indiana, but LeBron wasn't locked into Cleveland. So Paul George elected to go, you know, or say no to that because he didn't want to be hitched to that. That'll be the same situation there with Anthony Davis. He'll have to get a guarantee to some degree from Kyrie that he'll be there. From the Celtics' perspective, you give up any combination of Tatum and or Brown, right? Not 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 together, right? You can mm-hmm. have one. I'm sorry, not and or Tatum or Brown, right? Right, and then you can have your pick of Rogier or Smart, right? And I could throw in Ojale, um, and then a, and some kind of pick. You're a dark horse, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They have enough pieces there. To I, make I don't happen? know that they have enough pieces. That was that was purely like in a vacuum talking about the personality of general managers and their willingness to get involved in deals. I know Sam Presti, again, like if you think someone wants to stick it to KD and you think Westbrook's the only one, you're mistaken. Like Sam Presti and that front office, I know want to be involved in this. They would now have a super team themselves with Westbrook. Paul George is playing fantastic. And Anthony Davis in the Western Conference. They would, for me, they would be just just as viable as, as Golden State. I don't know that they have the assets that would... It would mean giving up Steven Adams, um, some of those young pieces that probably aren't as good outside of, of Oklahoma City. It's probably not enticing enough, uh, and I don't know what their draft pick situation looks like. So one of the uh, the hottest topics recently is that LeBron and his camp could potentially prefer a coaching change. I think this is really could be damaging to LeBron's legacy yeah. if he gets another coach fired. Because he doesn't like what he does. And yet, when I look at Luke Walton, I don't know if he has what it takes to bring them a championship. But I just think LeBron has to be really careful the way he handles this, considering what he did with David Blatt, considering he was done with other coaches throughout his career. I think it's going to be a real tricky tricky dynamic for him to navigate. It is tricky. And if he winds up getting Luke fired or something. Now, here's the deal. LeBron has not come out and said anything. But I know from experience, once LeBron's <laughs> camp starts saying that they think this is in the best interest and that starts being leaked, yeah, LeBron's saying LeBron. it to somebody, <laughs> yeah. right? He just hasn't said it to the media. And so he's a really interesting – he he knows what he needs. Do you know? Like, And I am an old-school dude. Like, hey, let the coach do his job. You as a player do your job. But LeBron is one of those interesting players that kind of knows what he needs and he's got a great feel for his team. And so, you know, I would kind of – if I was Rob Polinka and Magic, this would be a consulting thing. Like, we'd have to sit with LeBron. We'd have to really chop up what is it that he sees in Luke that he doesn't think can get it done. Like, I'm not going to give you full control over whether or not we make this fire in a new hire, but I certainly want to know what you're thinking here, right? And if you were to fire him, LeBron's legacy would only be tarnished if he doesn't win with the next guy. Right. So if you bring another guy in there and he wins a championship... Then he looks like a genius again. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, LeBron got another guy fired, but they won another championship. So, but if he brings in another guy and they don't get it done, then I'm agreeing with you to some degree. Like, his his legacy would take a hit for being a coach killer. From what you've seen out of Luke Walton, like, do you think they I don't know? It? That's the thing. I, I don't, don't know. know either. Like, I don't. Well, I don't this know is the same conversation. Out behind the scenes, same right? conversation I had with with with. Oh, I had it on air about David Blatt and LeBron and me having to sit with LeBron and, and, and like at UCLA and say, Hey, look, man, we don't know whether David is the guy or not because you guys aren't playing for him. Now, I'm not saying that the Lakers aren't playing for Luke. I'm simply saying, like, I'm not watching them every single night. I don't know that his X's and O's, his timeout management, what he does in practice. I don't know, you know, but, like, I would tell LeBron, give him a chance, you know, and if it, if it doesn't work out, like, this year, 
you know, don't you, you don't think start, that's already happened at this point, though? That he's given him you, a chance? No, that, that they would have had that conversation the minute he gets there. Or remember, because it was a couple months, maybe a month into the season, and there were these rumors, and I think they had a losing streak where they had lost two or three games. Yep. And it was the conversation of, hey, maybe he wants him out. Don't you think they would have had that conversation yeah, then? Did. And now they have to have <laughs> it again. Well, see, then right. if you, if you, you haven't have that conversation, then, then you probably look, should just get rid of him. If you're telling me, my gut, yeah, yeah. Luke's probably going to be gone next year. Right. I don't think it's a good look. Like, Would I, you think he lasts the season, though? Yeah. Because what's the point here if they're not yeah. going to, you know, they're not going to do anything? Uh, speaking of LeBron, they're in the ninth seed right now. He had the, uh, he posted, what's kind of how you get your news from LeBron now? He's like, I'm coming back. He had his game face on. He's like, I'm coming back. If you're them, would you bring him back before the All-Star break? Or would you give him the extra month? I think it is three weeks that you could rest him and make sure he's fully healthy? Um, it really depends. See, well, I think that they have rested him now to, Two and a half, maybe three weeks past Already. where he needed to be rested. So I bring him back. Like, you know, selfishly, if I'm the Lakers, I might want to see him play a couple games before I sign off on him playing in the All Star game. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll make sure he's all right. Um, but I, I don't see really any need for them to shut him down all the way through the All-Star game because, again, I think they've already given him two weeks past when he was supposed to come back, uh, and they're pretty sure he's healthy at this point. All right, welcome back. Canel and Bell, the podcast lounge here on CBS Sports HQ. If it's called a lounge, it, I feel like I should get more comfortable. If it's a lounge, yeah. like we should be Why comfortable. Yeah, my shoes aren't in the shot. It's all good. Those and Gucci's too. You just, that's <laughs> you know, why you threw them up there. You know, you got to showcase them. What did I tell you on our conference call? You did say I had to get my shoe I game I said up. you had to bring your shoe game. Nah, you had to bring it correct. I was you know? comfy. Yeah, so I'm trying to get comfortable in here. Keep our, keep it casual here on yeah. uh, Canel and Bell like hanging out here in Atlanta at the Super Bowl. I like this shot too. Like it's much more yeah. comfortable already. I think our conference, <laughs> this is going to be the best block we've done in a whole year of our show because we're comfortable right now. Uh, Gronk. Is of course a good soundbite when he's at Media Day or yep. anywhere else. He's always goofing around. But we've talked a lot about Tom Brady. Should he retire? He said zero chance. Gronk said, mm, I'm going to consider everything. So when you leave the door open like that, you're going to obviously bring in a lot more questions about it. I've had a firm belief that he is going to retire. But then I go look and he's only 29 years old. Like he's still young. Like in as far as the game, the way it's changed, it's not as taxing on your body. I think he should keep playing. So I don't know what he should do. Like I don't have a real gut on whether he should or he shouldn't. I was with you in that like a week or so ago. I thought it was probably a foregone conclusion that Gronk would retire. And hearing him speak and, and like I think he probably comes back for another year. And if he's injury like riddled next year, next summer is probably the time where he shuts it down. I think if they win another Super Bowl, um, that's going to be a hard thing to walk away from. Gronk doesn't seem like the type of dude who's caught up in like legacy and let me walk out on top type of thing. I think he's just kind of living life. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a happy-go-lucky dude, and he loves playing football. So I, I, I am now in the camp of thinking he might come back for another season. I mean, he looks bad. I mean, think about the <laughs> Miami miracle, right? I mean, right. when he tried to make that tackle, he looked awful. Like his mobility, he couldn't move out of the way. But And then the, the AFC Conference Championship game, he had one of the biggest catches in the game. And there wasn't any separation. He's just such a physical specimen. He doesn't even have to get open. It's not like he needs to run a four four forty. He just has a knack. He's got extremely long arms. He's really physical. He's strong. He can just Brady can just throw it in the vicinity. If I'm Gronk, you know what I'm doing every offseason? I'm calling up Brady, who's they're obviously pretty tight. So what are you doing? Yeah. You're coming back? I'm coming back. Right, like right, I'm right. playing as long as Brady's there and you don't have to break in a new quarterback. If I'm Gronk, I'm going to keep rolling with it and saying, all right, Brady, if you're going, I'm going. You know, it was interesting, too, to watch him play, like, down the stretch. Like, he wasn't he wasn't dominating games. He still had timely and big catches. But, man, they were lining him up, and they were running behind Gronk uh, a, a lot, a lot more than you're used to seeing. Like, he's kind of morphed 
into more of a blocking type of tight end, right? And so, like, not more of a blocking, but more blocking than he's ever really done. You know what I mean? And so, if you can transition as a player, you're not going to be, you know, the, the league leader in receptions from the tight end position and yardage and all of that type of stuff. But you can still be a value to the Patriots, uh, you know, as a lesser version of that if you're grown. Do you think experience matters? Because we in, talked about it a what? little bit in the first block in sports, like because yeah. there's a lot been made of the ninth, the ninth Super Bowl appearance. I think it matters some, but I don't think as much as people think. It still is another game. Like I'll take it from uh, Hoosiers, one of my favorite movies of all yeah. time. Right? Hoosiers goes out there. Remember when they played in the state final and they're playing the big arena and all the guys were like wide eyed and Gene Hackman takes them around and he takes out the measuring stick and yeah, he goes, the hoop's the still hoop. ten feet. You know, yep. I think that's the attitude you have to have. And ultimately, I do think. Once the game kicks off, it is just another game, but it's who can trick themselves into thinking it's just another game is going to be the team well, that has the success. That's why experience matters, right? Because if you've been there, you've done that. That moment might not be overwhelming for you. Like, I, I, So I played at a small school. I played at FIU. Um, and while we went out and played Kentucky and Duke and schools like that in big arenas with thousands and thousands of people, I didn't play in front of that every night. So when I got to NBA uh, and I was trying out for teams, I'd have really good camps, man, and, and, and play well in practice. But something about those big arenas with all of those people, I was just unnerved by them for a while. It took me a while to get used to that. Um, and so a situation like this in a Super Bowl when you talk about experience, the, yeah, the game is the same. But the magnitude of the moment, the, the the lights being bright, like the sheer you know size and, 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 and craziness of the – that might affect some people on a team. And if you've been there before and you've done it, It'll have less of an effect on you. You might be able to calibrate and be into the game quicker than someone else. I think the biggest thing will be a lot of times it's the start. Like, what do you do in that first drive, the first quarter? And obviously, like, zero concerns about Brady and the Patriots. If you saw the start that Jared Goff had in New Orleans, it was shaky. Now, he was able to shake it off, but he was clearly off. And But that was a crowd noise thing. That's the thing about the Super Bowl. There's not that much crowd noise. It's right. kind of a sterile crowd because the tickets are expensive. A lot of it's corporate sponsored. You know, it's not like you have diehard Rams fans or there'll be some, there'll be some of those. There'll be some Patriots fans that go to the game. But for the most part, it's not that crowd noise. I always felt for me, the best thing that I needed to get in the flow of the game was to get hit. Like right. to, as soon as I felt like if as soon as I took a hit, got knocked to the ground, I was like, Oh, like I kind of just shook me awake. I don't know. Was it like, and maybe it's, this is where I think McVay comes into play. Give Jared Goff an easy completion early just to see a ball completed, get that off his back. Because sometimes if you try a deep ball, you're like, and you know as a quarterback, you're like, all right, I'm 0 for 1. You know, right. but it then starts mounting and then you try another, then you have a third and long situation and you either get sacked or maybe you had to throw it away and you're 0 for 2 and you're like, man, we haven't even got a first down. I think the start to the game is more important for Jared Goff. And the Rams team, obviously, and the Patriots. Because the Patriots, they, they start off slow. They can be like, well, we were down 28-3, we came back. It doesn't right, matter. And right. I think for the Rams, it's more more important for them. Yeah, well, that's where that experience comes into play. And, like, I, I was the same way. Like, as a shooter, like, I wanted Mike D'Antoni to run something for me. And he was really good about running something to get me one of my favorite shots to start a game, right? Because I don't want to squeeze, like, six threes. Now I'm 0 for six threes. And right. my confidence is, you know what I mean? So you want to get something that's So would you go in to get a to layup? You. Like, or would you try to get a layup to I get into a I wasn't a great layup shooter in the NBA. I was, no, like... There wasn't a lot that they could draw up for, for me to get a layup. I was probably going to get it punched. So they they draw something for me to get a quick 15-footer coming off of a screen, which was my wheelhouse. That's what I like to do. Um, and that would get me in the flow of games. But I generally felt like if I was worried about having success making shots and whatever the equivalent of that is in football, like I couldn't worry about that. I had to submit to the rest of the game. Like Be the best defender I could be. Be the best hustle player I could be. Set the best screens. And once I submitted to the game, 
all of the things that I needed to do from a scoring perspective would fall in line, you know? So for a football player, like whatever, whatever that looks like, like don't trip out about the end result. You know, dig into the process, dig into being the best you can be in that moment, and then usually it'll get you into the game. It'll get you past that initial set of nerves uh, and, and get you into the flow. That's the hardest part is guys will have to figure out a way to trick themselves into, hey, this is just another game. Yeah. One of the things I think is really underrated because we talked a lot about the gap in age disparity between Belichick and McVay is one of the best hires that John McVay was getting Wade Phillips to run his defense, where McVay can say, I'm the offensive mastermind, I can do all the team meetings, I can motivate, I can be the leader, I can be the face of the franchise, but Wade Phillips, you have the defense. You take care of those dudes, you do your thing, and he has, like, to, to have that luxury, Wade Phillips has played in the Super Bowl, he was there as a defense coordinator with the Denver Broncos just a few years ago, so we can ask him, hey, what did you guys do as far as time management? I think sometimes that's one of the underrated aspects of a coach is we just talk about the head coach and we don't talk enough about the staffs that they've assembled. And I think that was one of the great hires that he made was trusting a guy who might even still want to be a head coach and saying, I'm not threatened by him. I'm going to trust him to do what he does and let him do his job and I'll do mine. Yeah, the key word you used there was threatened. Guys who are insecure about their job, like they can't do that. You know what I mean? Because they can't have that threat within their own building. Guys that are really, really good leaders and that are great at their job, they bring in dudes like that and trust them to do their job. It, delegation of responsibility as, as a head coach or as a general manager, uh, if you're really good at your job, you have no problem doing it with stars. You know, your peers, you will delegate to them and let them shine, right? Because that ultimately reflects on you and it helps you win. Uh, you know who gets that wrong a lot? Owners. <laughs> yes, all you know, the time. They get yes. it wrong all the time. But like the really good management people who are in place and the really good owners get a really good general manager. Those really good general managers get great people to work in them in terms of salary cap, in terms of scouting and, and, and talent, you know, observation and then and then coaches do the same thing. Our girl Hannah, who's here in Atlanta, she's running around doing all types of stuff. That's why she hasn't been there. Uh, been here on our show doing our updates for us. She texted me and she said she's got a party for us to go to. It's the what? media party. The media and party. And I said, Rajah's in. Right. I pumped you for that. Like you can go hang out with all the media members. You, you can even hold court. You can Bro, make new friends in the media. I am going back to bed. I'm going to watch a movie. <laughs> Mike it up and get a workout at some point this afternoon. <laughs> no, like, you're I don't in. know. I already RSVP'd for you. <laughs> All right, welcome back, Kennell and Bell, hanging out here in Atlanta, the World Congress Center. I hope our fans can get in because I think we actually have Rob from Atlanta, who was actually a guest on the show. I think he's Word. outside security trying to get in. Right now? Because, yes, yeah, like right this moment. Like as we speak? We might have to go hook him up and get him in here because I did tell people yesterday they can come watch us. I thought you could. I thought this was open to the public. Yeah. Maybe I gave an erroneous report there. So we'll we might have lost a fan. What? <laughs> no, no, Rob. Can we ATL. afford to lose he a fan? No, we can't. We can't afford to lose any fans. So hopefully uh, he gets in. I might even go out there and escort him in myself yeah, if we have to and get him back in here tomorrow. <laughs> uh, finishing off with some leftovers. So Trey Young had some interesting comments on the jump uh, yesterday, talking about himself and Luka Doncic, uh, saying that the trade, which resulted in, obviously, him moving and Doncic going to the uh, Dallas Mavericks, he said that it's worked out for both teams. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot more of Luka playing this season and playing well at a high level than I have seen of Trey Young. Do you think he's crazy and off base in this, or is this just I, him making his own case? I do not think he's crazy or off base. Like, for this year, um, Dallas has gotten a better product in terms of a complete player. That guy's been a pro for a while now. The jury is going to be out on this one for the next four years. Because that's how long it's going to take Trey Young. Like, like, Steph Curry didn't hit the hit the scene ready to go. He was injured. It took him three years to really get his feet wet. And then you started to see a guy who had 
you know, acclimated to the NBA speed and size and sharpened up his tools in the summertime. Their numbers are not that, that crazily different. Like, they, Luka's at 20 and a half points a game. Like, Trey Young's at six and a half. Rebounds, yes, because Luka's a bigger player. Assists go to Trey Young because he's a, a guard. Shooting percentages are, are fractionally off. Um, the Mavericks have a better team around Luka as well. So I'm not, I'm not like with everybody else. Luca's been fantastic, and some of it is media driven. Like, yeah, they they get no love here in Atlanta, and Trey Young has received no hype, not anything close to what he got in Oklahoma when he was the media darling. Luca is Trey Young from last year's NCAA season. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. Like, Luca is the man who drives sports centers and drives our shows and drives you know Fox Sports shows. He's that guy. Trey Young is getting no love, but his numbers aren't bad. It shows you, too, the importance of what market. You know, we are talking about Anthony Davis, what market you go to. Team success matters. The team around you matters, no matter how good you are. And it shapes the perception of you. So Trey Young does have some ground to make up there. So I don't think it's as crazy because he got laughed at a lot social media yesterday people saying oh you're crazy oh, and, what's he, and what's he supposed to say right, exactly. like what do you want a kid to say yeah, yeah. Luca's a better player to me like <laughs> I, I no it's ridiculous and the, again four points like it is exponentially easier for a 6-9 guy with the ball in his hands to get his shots off if he's been a pro already than a 6 foot guy who's just he's been in college one year right one year of college basketball like the jury's out on that so Tom Izzo, head coach of Michigan State, uh, his team got whooped by Purdue the other night, right. 73-63. After the game, he was talking about his younger players. He said it was one of those days where I knew they were going to get indoctrinated, kind of their first freshman moment. Right. And he said my freshmen needed diapers. They had a couple players out to injury. Gabe Brown and Aaron Henry had to play longer than normal. I, I don't think there's any big deal to this at all. I think it's kind of funny. Like, Tom Izzo is one of the most respected coaches in college basketball, always seems to get his team deep in the NCAA tournament, makes deep runs. Like, if we're worried about a coach saying his players need diapers, then what are we really doing? Like, they've got to have thicker skin than that, realizing he's just calling them young puppies. Like, that's all he's doing, saying they're just babies, and they're going to grow into their roles. But right now, they're playing like babies, and they are. That's not an insult. It shouldn't be something that should offend anybody at all. Now, if he brought diapers in... <laughs> And like, no, seriously, like you brought him in and handed him out or like, you know, but like, I'm with you, Danny. Like, what is the beef here? What's the beef? Like, the dude chose to use diapers. Essentially, you're saying they're babies. They are babies. Yeah. It's okay. Like, it doesn't mean that they're going to be babies forever. Right now, they're babies. They're freshmen. This is their first real experience on that stage with a physical team like Purdue. And they, and they, 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 they didn't. Coach K has done this before in the past. He's talked about his young players not being ready. No, No, there's no beef at all. All right, my favorite subject: Super Bowl props. Although, could you read my signs yesterday? No, because our setup here it's a little far away. I got my glasses. I didn't have them on, so I couldn't read the sign. It was just white and looked like it was light. But now I have you in person, so we don't have to read any signs. So we're good to go. First one: Will Gronk retire by game one of 2019? Yes is actually the long shot here. Plus 250. No is minus 400. That's a no. I'm with you. I, I Like two weeks ago, I was thinking, yeah, he's going to hang it up. But we just talked about a lot of this. I think he's going to come back. Brady said he has zero chance of retiring. Even if Brady, either way, if they win the game or he throws three picks and he loses and people are like, hey, he looks like he's lost it, Brady's coming back. Yep. So I think Gronk comes back too. So I would take the uh, no on that as well, even though it's awful um, numbers value there for you to get. All right. This one's actually pretty funny. Will Nickel Roby Coleman be called for PI during the Super Bowl? Yes, plus 210, or no, minus 310. Obviously, he was the centerpiece of the call that didn't go New Orleans' way. Maybe there'll be some officials watching him. 
I think you will. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I, do too. <laughs> I think you and will. I, and I don't think it's going to be any kind of like backlash or anything. No. I think he's a physical dude. He gets out there. He rolls the dice on some of those. I, he's going to have pass interference. There was a play. I forget who it was. We've done this segment before. When Brady, somebody on this pick starts Steelers. I think it might have been Ike Taylor. It was a safety or somebody called out Brady during the week. And Brady went right after him like the first drive of the game and then like went up to him and talked trash. Yeah. Brady's not going to attack Marcus Peters. He's not going to attack Akeem Talib. You know he's going to go after? Nickel Roby Coleman. And then it just so ha- like even if he hadn't talked trash, it's the best matchup. Right. He's their third best corner, so he's right. going to go after him. So I think he does get that because he's going to put in a lot of tough situations throughout that game. All right. Will the touchdown called on the field be overturned? So a replay review, no. will there be a touchdown? I think it'll be a pretty clean no. game, too. There's be a lot of pressure on these officials, too. Yes, you get plus 210, no minus 310, so I don't think so either. Or no, sorry, plus 190, no is minus 200. All right, these are the ones that get a little bit crazy. We're both golf guys. Which will be higher, Bubba Watson's longest drive or Brady's passing yardage? Ooh. Bubba Watson's longest drive Bubba is minus like, 160. What, Bubba goes like 330, 330. 340. Yeah. It's not where they're playing this week. Sometimes you get one of those crazy courses where it's downhill yeah. and you can see a 360. Uh, I might go with Bubba's passing yard, uh, Bubba's longest drive. It's the waste management open at Phoenix. It is a little bit dry out there. I'm going to say... Last year, I passed on a prop that said, will either quarterback go over 400 yards? Brady set the passing record in the Super Bowl. Yep. I'm going to say Brady goes over. I think this is a fast track. I think you'll see some bigger numbers out there. I think you see some some value there, plus, one, plus 25, too. All right, last one. Which will be higher? This is right in your wheelhouse. Paul George, three-pointers made versus the Celtics or Gronk receptions. Man. I think Gronk gets at least four or five receptions in this game. So the question is, Paul George, Paul will George he get? Paul George shoots a lot of threes. I'm going to say Paul George has been playing great against the Celtics. Paul George. All right, Paul George. There it is, minus 120. I'll lean with you on that one, too. But I do think Gronk's going to have a big game, so they both will. All right, we're back from Atlanta tomorrow. Another huge day of guests. Coming out and say hi. We'll try to sneak into security tomorrow <laughs> at Canel and Bell.